Welcome to the Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is author, freelance writer, and editor, Deborah Kalb. Deborah is the author of the forthcoming adult novel, Off to Join the Circus, as well as three novels for kids, Thomas Jefferson and the Return of the Magic Hat, John Adams and the Magic Bobblehead, and George Washington and the Magic Hat. And together with her father, Marvin Kalb, she co-authored Haunting Legacy, Vietnam and the American Presidency from Ford to Obama. She's also published other books on politics and government, as well as working as a journalist for more than two decades covering Congress and politics. Deborah's book blog, Book Q&As with Deborah Kalb, which she started in 2012, features hundreds of interviews she's conducted with a wide variety of authors, including yours truly. And thanks again for having me on your blog. So in today's conversation, we'll be talking about stepping out of the safe zone, the challenges and benefits of exploring a new genre. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Nancy, thank you so, so much for having me on. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Well, I'm so glad to have you. And, and given that you have supported and promoted so many of other other authors with your blog, I'm just happy to be able to, in some small way, return the favor for you. So let's talk about your, your body of work. It's very diverse. You've done fiction, nonfiction, books for adults and children, freelancing, blogging. How do you manage to juggle all the different types of work? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I ask myself that all the time. And, uh, you know, I feel like sometimes one aspect of it tends to take over. For example, my book blog can tend to take over my life at various points. Um, when I have a freelance nonfiction assignment and I'm also trying to write fiction at the same time, that can be very, very tricky. Um, I, I think that in general, I can split up the day where I can work on the nonfiction freelance project in the day and maybe do some fiction writing at night and that that can work I think honestly it kind of depends on what the different projects I have lined up at that point are and then how I can structure my time but often I ask myself that I'm like how am I doing this how can I be more efficient in getting it all done well and and I can sympathize because I'm a freelancer so I have a bunch of, you know, nonfiction projects. Right. And then trying to do the things, say, for the current book, like you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting ready to promote your book. Yeah. So, of course, you know, your freelance clients, deadlines, current book, deadlines. But yeah. then you're always thinking about the new, you know, the next project down the pike. Right. And maybe it's got kind of a loosey-goosey deadline, but at the same time, if you don't make time for it, it's not going to happen. So, Exactly. Yeah, it, it can get a little crazy. I, I can I, yes, that. I totally agree. <laughs> now, I, you know, I'm, I am curious about uh, one thing, too. You know, um, I know you got to block out time, but mentally or creatively, how do you switch from, say, writing something that is uh, for a client that maybe has to do with politics or whatever, you right. know, very, very aimed in that and then you go off to work on a piece of fiction what do you do to creatively shift the gears to put your mind in a whole different place one thing about the way that i think about fiction is that often it takes 
years of thinking about the characters of thinking about what they might do before I actually sit down and write about them. And um, I think that a lot of what's going on is in the background, you know, so I think there may be something that I'm working on for nonfiction. And then the phase I'm at in the fiction process is more of this kind of background thinking, mulling over, what would this character do? What is the arc of this story? Um, so it, it it's kind of two things can be going on at the same time, but one of them is not in the foreground, you know? Mm -hmm. So that tends to be how it works out. Yeah, I can, I can see where that would be. You know, there's always, I, I always say, there's always some part of us, no matter what else we're doing, whether we're working right. on a client job or washing the floor, there's always some part of us that's writing in our head, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's talk about your most recent book, Off to Join the Circus. Now, this is your first novel for adults, and it's coming out, I believe, in July of this year. Yes, correct? it's July 18th. Yes. So what inspired this story? Yeah, so it's the story is about an overly enmeshed family in the Washington, D.C. area, which is where I've been my whole life. And um, what happens when a relative returns after 64 years? And it's um, about the perceptions, the misperceptions, the roles that people play in their family structure and how that can get blown up by the return of a person who sort of shifts everyone's perspective. So what happens is um, this woman, Adele Pinsky, ran away from home at age 16, and her younger brother, Howie, was 11, and he um, asked their dad, well, where did Adele go? She, you know, she ran away from home. And he's like, oh, off to join the circus, Howie. She ran off to join the circus. And it, you know, it's a throwaway line, but if you're 11, you take it seriously. And so as he gets older, he starts to think, well, maybe she didn't actually run off to join the circus, but she, in his mind, becomes this legendary figure that could have run off to join a circus. And so he gets married has three daughters, Her, his oldest daughter has two sons. Um, and the story's told from all of these seven people's perspectives, but it's never told from Adele's perspective. So she remains um, a somewhat mysterious figure, even once she gets back in the family system. Oh, that sounds not only very fascinating, but I'm also listening to you as a writer and I'm thinking, Wow, seven perspectives. Yeah. And and the main character, we don't even get into her head. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to read this book simply not only because I want to know the story, but simply yeah. because I want to see how you did that. I want to learn from you. This is really, that had to be very difficult to put yourself in seven different people's heads. Yeah. No, it was. It's the first fiction I've written that was from multiple perspectives. And yeah, it was challenging. Like I wrote out a calendar of each character's activities, like when the one grandson has soccer practice and when the other one, you know, has his guitar lesson and when whatever. I mean, all the different things that they did, because otherwise I would have been completely lost. And I think one thing I would say about writing from different perspectives because people have said this book is funny, which I, I hope so. And, um, you know, one aspect of humor really can be from 
the misconceptions that one character has about another, you know, that the one character is completely convinced that this other character is doing something because of reason X, whereas it, it that's not true, but they think so. And you can get a lot of humor out of those kind of situations when, whereas when you're writing from only one perspective, um, you don't have that option. So oh. I, I really enjoy doing that. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, it really, and it sounds so realistic because any of us who have a family, yeah. who have siblings, right. who have whatever, yeah. Yeah. know how every person, even if you just take one event, each person has a different viewpoint of what was going on in that event, right? And exactly. it's, um, yeah, it can make yeah. some really lively conversations yeah. around the dinner table, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, this is this is obviously because it's an adult novel, much longer, much bigger in scope than, than your children's books. Mm -hmm. Were there times when you worried whether or not you could pull it off? You know, that's a great question. And um, honestly, so I have other novels for adults that are not published yet. I'm hoping one day they will be. And um, in particular, a mystery novel that I've been working on for more than half my life on and off for decades now. And so I think I kind of had some idea that, yeah, I could do a longer um, piece of fiction than I had with the kids books. Um, I think that it it's a question of kind of you know, you sit down every day, at least I do, and I have um, when I'm writing and I actually am having writer's block at the moment. So I've not been writing. But, you know, when I'm not having writer's block, I mean, I'm like, OK, I'm going to write X number of words um, today. And so it just went on for longer, like instead of having, you know, um, 32,000 words, I was like, OK, I'm shooting for 75,000 words. And you know, so I was just like, okay, it's going to take a longer time if I'm writing, say, a thousand words a day to get there. But, you know, I sort of was like, okay, just keep plugging away. And and also because I had all these different characters and you were telling like all of their stories, I'd be like, okay, today I'm going to write from Marilyn's perspective. And then tomorrow I'm going to write from Will's perspective. And, you know, so that also was fun because every day I'd be writing from someone else's perspective. And then I would say, oh, you know, I haven't had a Will perspective chapter in a while. I'll go back to Will, you know? So, yeah. Well, you know, you, you brought up writer's block. So what do you do when that happens? How do you break out of your writer's block? Yeah. I mean, I think what I tend to do is work on other things and try not to berate myself too much for not writing and be thinking about the characters for the next project. So I think it's it's a question of sort of just saying to myself, okay, I'm gonna give myself a break here. If I can't write this month, I it's not happening, it's not happening, but I can still be thinking about the characters and what they're doing and having ideas for them um, and eventually it'll happen that, you know, it, it, it gets to a point, it's sort of like a kettle that's boiling and eventually it's going to boil and I'll be like, okay, you know, time for these characters to find their way onto the page. Yeah, it, it can be challenging. I, I know in my case, like right now, my, my current novel, the paperback is dropping the 1st of June. 
but I'm also in the middle of edits to the novel that I want to release next year. And then writing from scratch, basically the novel after that. And sometimes what I do, because there's only so much time. And of course Mm -hmm. you have to do client work because that's what keeps electricity on. And so, you know, I used to do like you did like, you know, okay, I have to do this many words and that doesn't always work for me. So Mm -hmm. now what I've done is, I've said, okay, um, I have to at least do one scene. Right. Which a scene can only be like maybe 500 words or whatever, right? Yeah. But it's like, okay, I'll think in terms of scenes mm-hmm. instead of words. Yeah. So it may take me two weeks to finish a chapter, but it kind of takes the pressure off. But at the same time, I am making little baby steps forward. Yeah. And I feel like that's a great way to do it, like to do a scene. And I you know, sometimes if I'm doing it along those lines, I'll try to sort of begin the next scene. So at least the next day I'll be like, okay, you know, I kind of know which scene is coming up next. Although sometimes it can be that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen the next day. And so I'm like, okay, why don't um, Howie and Marilyn be having a conversation and let's just see what they have to say to each other today. And then something happens and I'm like, okay, you know, this, this is working. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, like when it does, that's good. Yeah. I mean, we almost have to take anything that works at that particular time. Right. You know, absolutely. So, you know, you, you're now, you've stretched your writing muscle, so to speak by, getting into the adult novels. I understand, like you said, you, you've already worked on a couple others. You've got a couple others waiting in the wings. Do you, um, when you, because you do nonfiction and fiction and adult child, are there specific skills that you've, you've developed that'll, that say, you know, oh, well, from doing my fiction and understanding characters this helps me if I have to interview some political figure for something. I'm just pulling that out of my head. But mm-hmm. do you see any crossover or is it, is everything, okay, these are my nonfiction skills. These are my fiction. These are my children, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that in terms of different writing for different age groups with fiction, that my writing process is really similar. And in fact, even the tone of the books is similar. Like the three books I've had published for kids are middle grade. So that's, you know, eight to 12 years old. Say I have another thing that I've written that I'm hoping will get published. That's more sort of upper middle grade or YA for like 10 to 14, 15. Um, And then there's the adult novels. And I, you know, I find that my tone and my sense of humor and my way that the characters interact and the ways I tend to write in a way that's very it's generally in third person but you're so much in the character's head so it's very close third person um and you're kind of going through all of their various neurotic thought processes you know because my characters tend to be a little bit neurotic and um so there's actually, yeah, if when I look back at things, I'm like, oh, you know, there's a lot of similarity here in these type of characters that I'm writing about. It's just that the vocabulary, the language, you know, is slightly different, obviously, for kids than for adults. Um, uh, the topics handled, um, they're handled in a different way. But but as far as the fiction versus nonfiction, that's a really interesting question because the 
I think the nonfiction comes more out of my years as a journalist. So I spent like 20 years or so as a journalist here in DC and the nonfiction skills come out of that sort of being concise and being getting to the point quickly, not being verbose. And as I'm saying that, I think, yes, that transfers to the fiction as well. So yeah, I think there is, I mean, I'm sort of thinking it through right now. There is some overlap. Absolutely. I think the, you know, honestly, the more you write in any genre, the the more practiced you become at it in whatever mm-hmm. genre you're writing in. Because I just feel like the more you do it, it benefits your writing, whatever it is that you're writing at the time. Right. And and I would think too, because I I you know, I used to write for magazines, so there'd be a lot of interviews I'd have to do. Right. And I think that helps a lot with dialogue because otherwise all your characters sound like you but when you've (laughs) done a lot of you've interviewed a lot of different people and of course you know when we're interviewing somebody we're not only listening to the words they're using but we're also paying attention to how they look how they present themselves I mean the whole thing because that can be like a whole different background to it and I think that helps us as fiction writers to more fully develop a character because we've kind of been we've we've been doing this for nonfiction Mm -hmm. and giving the sense of who that person is so we're picking up on on the way they use certain words or even their physical mannerisms that might be totally at odds with what they're telling you you know what I mean yeah yeah so I'm I'm thinking that actually benefits because if you're if you're not interacting in that way and, mm-hmm. and as a journalist, you've got to be so attuned to what what's going on during the interview. Yeah. That then you can, you know, then then it's a little bit easier to put your character in front of you and and sort of interview them and listen to how they're uh, talking. I agree. I think that's very true. I think it it sort of runs through whatever type of writing you're doing is sort of getting at the heart of who this person is, you know, what type of character are they? Are they truthful or are they spinning you or are they, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, back and forth with that. Yeah, definitely. You know, now, now one thing um, too, I was kind of interested in those, those three books that you wrote for children, you know, you have focused on historical figures in right. these books. Right. What what was your did you have a specific goal or what was your reason for choosing to write that kind of uh, a thing for children, those kind of books for children versus some other kind of book for children? Yeah, no, good question. <clears throat> so I was a history major millions of years ago in college. So I I love history. I've always been interested in it. And when I was a kid, I loved reading books about modern day kids who traveled back in time and met historical figures. So when it came time for me to try to write a children's book, which I had always wanted to try to do, I was like, oh, I want to write time travel. So these are like the three books. um, They're part of a series and they're about a group of fifth graders um, in Bethesda, Maryland, just, you know, where I live. Um, It, what happens is they meet an object, say a hat or a um, bobblehead that takes them back in time to meet a particular um, president. And so I started with George Washington, then John Adams, then Thomas Jefferson. Um, 
So just kind of going in order through the presidents and the, the, the books, getting back to the idea of different perspectives and seeing humor from writing from different viewpoints. Each one has a different protagonist, a present day protagonist, and they're all in the same fifth grade class. So you're kind of seeing one character through another one's eyes, you know, in, a, in the next book, in the sequel. Um, yeah, and they go on these time travel adventures. They meet the presidents, they meet the president's families. And the books also deal with issues like slavery, you know, issues that are very serious and have relevance today. Um, I think what I was trying to do was to make history sort of accessible and fun, but that you were also learning a lot about um, the particular people that I was writing about in, in the given book. So I think it's just my own interest in history and, and you know, and um, writing this type of books for kids where you have kind of these regular ordinary kids who get swept up in it in a time travel adventure. That, that's just that is fascinating. Are you do you plan to continue on through more press? Um, I might very well. I have ideas for you know continuing a few more into the series. Yeah, yeah. I know. Even as a kid, um, I liked it when I would read books that were set in other times. Yeah, especially historical times versus you know times that don't really exist, because you get those little bits of useful credible information yeah. but you're not it's not like you're sitting in a history class and having exactly. it drummed into your head it's just right all these little tidbits that you almost as a child you almost don't realize you're you're taking in you're That's absorbing absolutely absolutely I, I always felt like I learned more from sort of historical fiction or novels you know even as someone majored in history I I love learning through you know historical fiction and it, it's a lot of work I mean it's a lot more research than off to join the circus which is I really didn't have to do that much research to write that but for these books these time travel books it is a lot of research like I go to the president's um, houses go on tours read a lot about them read a lot of biographies look at things online with their letters to people um, and just research the time period where it happened so yeah, so they're very well researched. And I'm, um, yeah, again, I try not to sort of drown the reader in historical facts, but just sprinkle them in, you know. Throughout. Right. Yeah. Right. So, speaking of your process of writing, are yes. you a plotter or a pantser? Yeah. So I ask people that question too on my blog. And the way I tend to ask them is like, did you know how your novel is going to end before you started writing it? Or did you make many changes along the way, which lets them, you know, kind of go wherever they want with it. But I would say um, with this novel, I knew the last scene. Okay. I knew where it would begin and I knew where it would end. But as far as what happened in between, I was definitely not plotting. I did have my calendar for the characters activities, but I mean, there was like one surprise, my character, Lucy, who's just been through a divorce. And I thought, and Lucy thought that her marriage had ended for a particular reason. I mean, not to give anything away here, but but about, I don't know, a third of the way into the story, Lucy and I both discovered that, oh no, Lucy's marriage ended for a totally other reason. And Lucy and I are both like, 
why didn't we realize that? You know, so that kind of thing can happen, which is which is actually very fun as a writer, you know. Yeah, no, I I love it. That's I tend to be a pantser and yeah. Because I started out as a short story writer, it's yeah. easy to be a pantser when you're, you know, when you're writing yeah. short stories. Yeah. And the thing is, is I started now, now reinventing Rita's my first published novel, but I have the one that's coming out next year was actually the first novel I ever wrote. Oh, okay. And I had started it thinking it was going to be a short story. Talk about pantsing. <laughs> and after I hit about, oh, I don't know, 15,000 words, I'm like, wait a minute, this is not going to be a short story. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, things just would happen or yeah. the character would just say something. And I'm like, why did you say that? Oh, yeah. this is why. And, and right. I, if I had to sit there, I mean, and I know it works for a lot of writers, I, I think it's Elizabeth George really does. Of course, she writes very complicated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she does those humongously detailed, you know, I don't have the patience to do that. Yeah. I would I would never be able to write the book then. It would be like, oh, my God, this is so much work. But, you know, I just kind of want to. I'm, I'm like you. I keep keep a calendar going. I have a right. with details, but I tend to be doing it as it happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, as opposed right. to yeah. laying it out ahead of time, you know? Yeah. Right. So. Like if I, you know, I'll keep, as I'm in my process of imagining characters, thinking about them, I usually have like a file on my computer where I jot down ideas, but it's never like a full outline at all because I feel like the characters might want to do something different. Like they, I don't know them as well when I'm starting the process of writing about them, you know, and they, mm -hmm. they often become better known to me as I'm going along or sometimes they'll surprise me. Like in my children's books, there's um, one of the kids in the class, Ryan, like he's one of the sort of jocks, very athletic, popular kid. And all of a sudden he showed up in the chess club meeting and I didn't expect him to show up in the chess club meeting because my protagonist, Sam, loved the chess club, but I didn't think Ryan would be the type of kid who would love the chess club. And sure enough, there he was, which made him a lot more interesting to me because I was like, that that's good to know that Ryan wants to be in the chess club. So, you know, there uh, I don't want to sort of cut off possibilities for the character. Yeah. yeah, and and I and I think that's great because you're also, in a way, telling the reader, don't assume things about real people in your life. Exactly. You know, so yeah. it it does. It just it it's interesting to us as we're creating the story. Yeah, it'll be interesting to the reader too because you have this sense of they're not they're not these little cookie cutters that this is right. a jock and this is a chess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's so important because you can't sort of pigeonhole people based on a stereotype. You don't want to have characters who are stereotypes. You want to have them be well-rounded. And as you get to know them and put in more details about them, you know, and then of course I go back and revise, you know, that's a big part of it too. I mean, if I've decided that someone really should be a certain way that I didn't think at the beginning, then I'll sort of go back and try to make that, you know, make it plausible kind of, mm -hmm. but, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's like you're getting to know your characters and I spend right. a lot of time thinking about them and getting to know them before I even start writing. But the writing itself is when you really get to know them. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do want to talk about your book blog too. I mean, you started that yeah. in 2012. Right. Why right. did you even start that blog, which I know from my own experience can be very time consuming. It is too. extremely time consuming. I mean, I love it because I've met you and so many other interesting authors in the process over the past decade. But actually, I started it because so my father and I had written this book, Haunting Legacy, which was nonfiction for adults about the legacy of the Vietnam War. And I started a website for that. And I started doing Q&As with experts on the Vietnam War. Um, And I found that I really enjoyed that because I wasn't a daily journalist anymore. But this sort of gave me um, the opportunity to interview people. And, And I thought, well, why am I you know, limiting myself to only interviewing people that deal with the Vietnam War. Like, why not? I mean, that's a fascinating topic and you could just limit yourself to that. But I think I felt that I wanted to expand it out. So then I decided, okay, I'll just do a book blog. And it's very, very eclectic, as you know. Um, So I have, you know, authors of fiction, nonfiction, kids, um, you know, sports, arts, business, whatever. I mean, it's incredibly eclectic. And so therefore it's a lot of fun for me because I feel like my own writing is eclectic and um, I, you know, I enjoy talking to like a wide variety of authors. Well, what have you learned in the process of interviewing other authors? Are there any takeaways that you've incorporated into your own writing life? Yeah. I mean, I would say a lot of the times when I ask people like the question, I mean, a lot of the questions that I ask people, like the one we talked about, the plotting and plotters and pantsers, I think it sort of clarified for me what it is that I'm doing, because, you know, I hear people across the spectrum of how they plot their books. And it did make me realize that I do have a particular way that I do it. It's just that I hadn't really thought about it so much for myself before because I've been actually lately sitting back and thinking, well, how would I answer some of the questions that I ask other people? Um, And, you know, I think that one of the things like how is about the title. You know, I often ask authors, how did you come up with the book's title? How was it chosen? and, And what does it signify? And, you know, I never was great at coming up with titles but this title off to join the circus just fit because of the theme of the book and because the circus kind of becomes this metaphor for you know how this care how this family does or doesn't lead their lives um so i you know i think that it's the having the book blog has given me a lot of insight into my own writing by asking people questions that i try to then answer for myself and And also just the richness of meeting all of these people, of asking them questions, of interacting with them and with their books and getting to know a lot of them. It's been phenomenal. I mean, it's enriched my life in so many ways. Well, yeah, I I tell you what, I, I know when I interview authors, you know, for this podcast and when I've had them on my blogs, it is just... It is. It's so fascinating because, you know, you you learn not only about what they're working on, but almost like the why of it. What exactly. what's the driver for them? And if mm-hmm. they've if they've made a big shift from one genre to another, um, you know, why did they do it? 
and and that takes a certain amount of courage in a way you know i'm yeah. thinking about you know the ship that you're making coming out with now an adult novel i mean you you've kind of established one brand yeah. of yourself as being a political writer you know mm-hmm. you've got your you're now children's author too so that's like another yeah. you right. and and it can be that can be a little bit hard from the marketing perspective. Were you worried about that? I mean, how do yeah, you, yeah. How do you I mean, present yourself now? What? Well, how do you identify yourself as an author? I identify myself as a very eclectic author. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I think that it, there have been a number of people I've interviewed that write for kids and adults, which is another thing that I've learn about you know how they balance it and they tend to kind of go back and forth between the two and you know I can certainly learn from their experiences um I think that it I guess what you have to say is you write for kids you write for adults you write fiction you write nonfiction. you're a former journalist you're a book blogger it's like you have to just embrace the whole thing and not I can't really put myself in one box yeah, it it can be. Yeah, I mean, there you know, there used to be a school of thought that said, get in a lane, stay in that right, lane, exactly. don't get out of that lane because right. it's death to marketing. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, I and and the thing is too, I think a lot of times if we take a step back and look at the different categories in which we write, I bet you you would find some common thread either yeah. in either in the topics that you're exploring or or the reason why you're driven to write these kind of stories yeah um you know and and I think once we can figure that out then it's a it's easier for us to give that one liner to a, to another journalist who will say oh well describe yourself as an author in you know 10 words or less yeah it's like, right oh I, know. I don't know uh, yeah it's hard but I think so many journalists or ex-journalists write fiction also so I think that a lot of us are are have, as journalists were or are frustrated novelists as well so I think you know a lot of people have that proverbial um you know manuscript in the desk drawer so. so I know you've got this book coming out in July. What are you working on next? Or are you just kind of catching your breath and yeah. doing this one? I mean, I'm working on a few different things. One thing is to try to get um, some of the things I have uh, already written published. So that's kind of going to be a priority now is to try to contact um agents or smaller publishers where you don't need an agent to see what I can do about that. Um, as far as writing, there, yeah, there are several projects. One of them is a whole different departure, which is a children's picture book, which is about, so my grandfather, um, who I never knew, he died the year before I was born. He um, grew up in Eastern Europe and his older brother had emigrated to London. And he um, was trying to get on a ship as a teenager to join his brother in London. And he ended up on a ship uh, going to Galveston, Texas by mistake. So um, so I, I'm working on something about that. Um, you know, he was, um, so my family's Jewish and he was 
fleeing from anti-Semitism in the Russian um, empire. He was in Poland at the time. And, it, it, you know, so it's just kind of an interesting family story. So I'm trying to turn that into a picture book manuscript. Well, that yeah, that does sound. And I think that is, you know, I'm always partial to that time frame because yeah. um, my on my mother's side, the Slovak side, my grandfather had come over here right before World War One broke out. Yeah, and that's my grand. My right. grandmother came after. My mother was mm -hmm. actually born here in the U.S. My mother's her first child. She was born on the Fourth of July. Oh wow! So we always laugh. We would say "Bubba," which is what we called my grandmother. Oh, yeah. Bubba really, you know, really embraced the United yeah. States. But <laughs> you know, I mean, it it is. I think the generations that have come after us who have been here like forever, right. you know, our right. kids, our grandkids. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, when I think about what that entailed, mm -hmm. that kind of, I yeah. mean, my grandmother came over by herself. Yeah. How did these yeah. people do that? Come here, not know the language. Exactly. Not even know how to change a dollar if they have. Yeah, I know. No, I think about that all the time because yeah, three out of my four grandparents um, came over as kids um one of them by himself that my grandfather and yeah it's an amazing thing like the uh resourcefulness that they had to have yeah and the courage and and yeah. i'm glad you're writing it for children yeah because i i think they need to understand that it would give them also a different perspective because we are in another immigration crisis right now it will make them realize that, you know, if if they may have a perfectly nice life with flush toilets and food in the fridge and a TV and the whole nine yards, not everybody had it. And there are some people who are struggling as much as their great, 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 great grandparents mm -hmm. did, you know, all yeah. oh, these many decades ago. Yeah. And it's, um you know, I, I think anything that helps the younger generation develop a greater empathy, a greater understanding. Yeah, exactly. Can only be a good thing. I yeah. agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. So I am going to ask you the question that I always close every interview with, which is, what is your personal definition of success as a writer? How do you define success or what makes you feel successful as a writer? Yeah, I thought a lot about that question. Um, I would say that success for me comes from the ability as a writer to actually have people interact with what I read and um, hopefully enjoy it, um, which generally requires getting the thing published. So that's, you know, sort of success in that regard um, would be getting my manuscript into a book and getting it published and getting it into the world so people can read it. So I feel so happy that Off to Join the Circus is about to be out in the world. Well, I think, I, I tell you what, I am fascinated by the book. I can't wait to read it. And I have really enjoyed having you on the show. And I wish you continued success with all of your different writing. Thank you, Nancy, and you too. Oh, well, thanks again for being part of the show. And thanks to everyone who joined us here at Living the Writing Life.